I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're looking at the book of Philippians together. This is our first day in looking at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to go through that entire chapter this week, an incredible chapter of Scripture. Philippians 2, 1 to 4, we're going to look at today. And as we start this chapter of Scripture, let me just remind you that missing ingredients are usually disastrous. I, uh, I can remember uh, one time my mother, when I was young, made a pumpkin pie, and she forgot to put the sugar in. That was disastrous. Sort of tasted like a squash pie. It was, it was terrible. Or maybe you've had bread that didn't have any yeast in it, and it just didn't, didn't turn out like it was supposed to turn out. Or have you ever been on a diet, and you, you could still have popcorn, but you had to have it without the butter? The missing ingredient just was disastrous. There's an important ingredient that's all too often missing in our lives joy. And the results there are disastrous. Something's missing, and life is just not as sweet like that pumpkin pie, or life feels flat like the bread without yeast, or life is tasteless like popcorn without butter. When we're missing out on joy, we feel like we're lasting and not living, and we find, we find that we're not able to have the energy that we need for everyday life. When every difficulty that you face seems like a Mount Everest, that's when you know you really need joy. And Philippians tells us how joy is released. As we've been walking through this book, we've begun to see that it shows us how joy is released in the same places of our lives where, where you can find instead discouragement. It's the way we choose. Eight specific areas that we're looking at as we go through this book. Last week, we looked at uh, people and problems. You can either have discouragement there or you can have joy, depending on your choices. And this week, as we look at Philippians 2, we're going to look at your potential. We're going to look at your work. And as we continue through this book, we're going to look at our accomplishments, our future, our thoughts, our finances. All of those places are places where we either lose joy or we find joy. For instance, last week, we talked about joy with people and joy with problems. When it comes to people, we can let them steal joy from us, or we can do what Philippians 1 talks about. We can give thanks for them and pray for them, and that results in joy. When it comes to problems, I can obviously let problems steal joy from me, or I can let Philippians chapter 1 guide my way, and I can begin to make choices to see my problems as God-given opportunities for growth. This week, we're talking about two other places where we can either find joy or lose joy, depending on our choices. And as we start this week, we're really starting with a little bit of a tougher problem. We're talking about the inside of us, the attitude of us, not the problems and people on the outside, but just in you. Sometimes you just feel dry and joyless inside. You feel like a desert inside. As we begin Philippians chapter 2, there's a reminder here that there's an attitude of life when it comes to the way we look at life that is incredibly important, and it is the attitude of humility. The attitude of humility when it comes to the potential, the gifts, the abilities that God has given me is incredibly important for experiencing joy. You can have the greatest gifts in the world and have no joy. Even though everyone around you is saying, wow, you're gifted, wow, you're able to do this, but you have no joy because you're trying to just use it on yourself or for yourself. It's humility, the ability to take whatever God has given to me and use it, pour it out in a way that makes a difference in other people's lives that really results in joy. Jesus, who had it all, God in human flesh, he chose humility as a pathway to joy. These next couple of days, we're going to talk about this attitude. We're going to talk about the right foundation and the right example and the right choices that grow out of the example of Jesus Christ. You want to have joy? You got to build on the right foundation. Philippians 2, the first few verses talks about that. Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Did you notice as we walk through that, the things that Paul says are the foundation for an attitude of humility? He talked about encouragement, encouragement from being united with Christ. He talked about comfort, comfort from his love, fellowship with his spirit. And then a fourth thing, tenderness and compassion he put together. Those are the foundation that you and I need in order to experience humility so that I can experience joy, encouragement. Discouraged people are rarely humble people. They are so concerned with what they're facing that it's difficult for them to have concern about what other people are facing. Yes, life can be discouraging sometimes. And we go through cycles sometimes of getting discouraged, and then because I'm discouraged, I get selfish, and I try to make life work just on my terms. But that just results in getting more discouraged and then maybe growing more selfish. How do you break the cycle of discouragement? We need an encouragement to break that cycle. And the encouragement here is, It's from being united with Christ. It's not built on my selfishness that I'm going to change. There's lots of kinds and types of encouragement out there. The encouragement that results in humility comes from being united with Christ. The encouragement that results in joy comes from being united with Christ. Paul talks about encouragement. He talks about comfort as being a foundation. Comfort. We all need a place of comfort inside, a place where you can sort of sit back inside and say an inner, ah, like your, uh, your favorite chair, your favorite sofa is a place of physical comfort. We need a place of spiritual comfort, a relaxation from the worries, from the pressures of life. Where does that kind of comfort come from? Well, Paul says here it comes from his love. God loves you. That's the spiritual ah. That's the spiritual comfort that I need in order to respond to others with humility, in order to experience joy in my life. He talks here about a third foundation, the foundation of fellowship. Now, fellowship is one person committing themselves to another person. And this talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, who is a person, the person of God. This is God committing himself to our everyday help, our everyday direction by sending his Holy Spirit into our lives. That is a truly wonderful gift. And that is a gift that builds the foundation for humility. God's Spirit, his presence daily. And then Paul talks here about tenderness and compassion. In order to be humble, you have to know that somebody cares about you. Humility does not come out of a vacuum. And God's tenderness and compassion says that he cares enough to forgive us when we're wrong, when we've sinned. He cares enough to lift us up when we fail. He cares about us when no one else cares. A foundation of humility is recognizing in a daily way God's tenderness and his compassion towards you. But also it comes from recognizing his tenderness and compassion towards everyone you're going to meet today. When we shut down the compassion, we also shut down the joy. I don't know about you, but I I tend to shut down on compassion when I'm tired. And when we get so worn out that we shut down compassion in our lives for other people, we're also shutting out joy. Tenderness and compassion, fellowship, comfort, encouragement, those are foundations for humility in our lives. Those all result, Paul says, in this ability to have the same love, to be one in spirit and purpose. And he says, that'll make my joy complete. Now, when he talks about this, he's not saying that we agree on everything, one in spirit and purpose. He says we agree on the most important things. We are headed in the same direction together. You start with the right foundation. And then if you're going to have this attitude of humility about the gifts, the abilities that God has given to you, 
You also have to make the right choices. And it's the humble choice. It's the choice in verses 3 and 4. Listen to the clarity of these verses. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now that is pretty clear. I don't even have to say much about those verses. It simply says that I need to say no to some things and say yes to some things. Say no to a couple of things. Say yes to a couple of things. Say no to ambition and conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Say no to ambition. That's the what's in it for me attitude. Ambition is a word that originally began with the meaning of to work for wages, but it grew to mean to work only for the wages, only for what's in it for me. And you may have taken the same journey. You began in a job, you began in a project, you began in a relationship thinking, we want to work together on this, but now you're just working for what's for your benefit. It's the what's in it for me mentality, and there's no joy in that. Now, there, there is a holy kind of ambition, an ambition for the things of God. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. This is the ambition that's about me. Say no to that, Paul says. And say no to conceit, vain conceit. Ambition is what's in it for me. Conceit is who's noticing me. I guess we'd all agree that we want people to notice us. In fact, I'll admit it. I want people to notice me. But the truth is, Jesus says, when your life comes down to just thinking about who's noticing me and seeing what's going on in my life, that you're missing out on joy. In fact, remember what Jesus said about those who do everything so that other people will notice? He said in the Sermon on the Mount, they've got their reward in full. That's all they're going to get. Now, how do I say no to these choices that result in a lack of joy? The only way to do that is by saying yes to some things. I need to say yes to the importance of others. I need to say yes to the interests of others. Last part of verse 3 and verse 4, he talks about those things. Last part of verse 3, he says, here's what you do when it comes to the importance of others. In humility, consider others better than yourselves, more important than yourselves. More important. Really? More important? Humility is not considering yourself most important, and it's not considering others somewhat important. It is considering that others are more important. That's an amazing, amazing statement. I, I know some people who are pretty good, and you might be one of them, at, at considering themselves as less important, at putting themselves down. That's not what this is talking about. That's not the attitude here. This is the attitude of considering others as more important. That means you are important, obviously, in God's sight. They are more important. You remember that old formula for joy? You may have learned it in Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school. J-O-Y is Jesus, others, and you, J-O-Y. Well, it's biblical. Jesus is most important. Others are more important. You are important. And humility isn't putting yourself down. It's lifting the Lord and others up. And joy comes when others are more important. One of the reasons for that, just practical reasons for that, is when others are more important, you don't have to have everything go right in your life to have joy. Now just think about this with me on a, on a practical basis. If only one person in a small group of 10 or 12 had a great week, and you get together, you can all rejoice in that. You can all get joy from that if you have humility. If you don't have humility, the one person in a group who had a great week, even though you had a bad week, can make your bad week even worse because you're upset that they had a good week. But with humility, with looking at the importance of others, it doesn't mean that your week always has to go like you would like it to go in order to have joy in your life. Joy can be something that's shared. 
That's just one of the many, many ways that making others more important results in joy. What I'm saying is this, joy is not found in keeping up with the Joneses. It's found in rejoicing with the Joneses and rejoicing what's going on in their life. If some, somebody down your block bought a new car, you can rejoice in the fact that they bought a new car because of their importance. And you don't have to spend the money and have the debt yourself. It's a great thing to rejoice in what God's doing in other people's lives. Say yes to the importance of others. And also say yes to the interests of others. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're important. But if they're important, that means you have to look out for their interests, not just your interests, but theirs also. I love the way that Chuck Swindoll made this practical when speaking on this passage. That means that uh, you give somebody else the choice traffic spot. You're driving by and you see the right spot right in front and there's somebody right behind you. You think, you know what? I think I'll let them have this. That means when you sit down to a great plate of steaks and you see the juiciest, nicest looking one right on top, instead of getting your fork out during the prayer ready to stab it and get it first, you offer it to somebody else first. It means, it means you hand somebody else the television remote control. Just the little things of life are where you're able to stand up for the interests of others. What's the right choice? The right choice is to say no to ambition, to say no to conceit, to say no to what's in it for me and who's noticing me, and to instead say yes to the importance of others and the interests of others. Now, if you think that's hard to do, join the club. I think it's hard to do too. Tomorrow, as we continue through this passage, we're going to take a look at what Jesus has to teach us about where the power to do this comes from. But as we close today, I'd like to take a moment to pray together about what we've talked about, about the encouragement and comfort that God wants to give us today. As we pray, would you just remind yourself of the truth that God has taught us? Yes, he's told us there is encouragement from belonging to Christ. Hear his encouragement right now. Yes, there is comfort in his love. Let his love comfort you right now. Yes, there is fellowship together with his spirit. Sense the fact that he is with you right now. And yes, there is affection and compassion from Jesus Christ. Feel his compassion for whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing in your life right now. And just say to him, God, my choice is this. Am I going to allow the fact that I belong to you to encourage me today? Will I allow your love to comfort me today? Will I allow your spirit to strengthen my fellowship with you and with others today? Will I allow your affection and compassion to spill over into my affection and compassion towards others today? Lord, let your yes be met by my yes today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 